my heart. Amen. So we're going to talk about second half of marriage today. I'm, as I look across the room, there's a number of you who are in the second half of marriage, and I can tell by the grayness of your hair and the speech and the fact that you're drinking your coffee to stay awake. So I want to talk about second half of marriage, and I want to talk about it uh, opportunities that you're going to have with your wife for companionship. Companionship. That's going to be the driver. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. I want to talk about uh, the Super Bowl in terms of uh, what we know second half to be like. It's predictable. Um, it's something that it's going, it's going to happen. You're going to go into the locker room after the first half, and you're going to get a dressing down, and you're going to get an inspirational talk from your coach, and you're going to go out, and you're going to play better second half. Um, marriage is like that in a way, but in a way it's not. I want to talk about foundations of second half of marriage. I want to talk about particulars. I want to talk about the survey that you have and you're looking at right now uh, and how you might use it um, as an initiative uh, to talk to your wife about what it's in, what's in store for the second half of marriage. And lastly, I want to talk about companionship because companionship is a driver for the second half of marriage. And I, I'm, I'm in the second half of marriage. No, no, no doubt about it. But, you know, there are opportunities that you have in the second half of marriage, and one of them was an opportunity to interface with your grandkids. And we uh, spent last week at Myrtle Beach with our grandson. We have three granddaughters and then three grandsons from our two sons. And we've uh, agreed to take them on a trip uh, wherever they want to go within limits. Uh, and uh, our grandson, taking a look at where we had taken our three granddaughters, said, I don't want to go to Europe. I don't want to go to Paris. I don't want to go to London. I don't want to go to Bavaria. That's where the other granddaughters went said, I'd like to go golf. And I said, yes. <laughs> so we went to Myrtle Beach. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy thing when you're 71 to go golfing three times out of four days. Um, and then we had our two other grandsons join us. They live in Charleston, South Carolina, for the last two and a half days. And I took, if you can imagine this, I took a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old golfing on a real course. Um, and it was like a, you know, I, when you have more than one, you got to play zone. You know, I mean, and, and so what I did is I got one cart and the other three walked, and I put the bags in the one cart, and I just looked le left and right and made sure that we were keeping up with the gang. But what an opportunity and an opportunity that uh, Barbara and I had uh, for a different companionship building opportunity that, uh, that we have. Now, I want to take a look at the Super Bowl. And I want you to think about the second half of your marriage as you watch preparation for the field for halftime. We can get this thing running.
that's an abbreviated view of the transformation of the field, which moments before had been a football field, to a halftime show. Now, most of our experience with halftime is in sports, not marriage. And sports halftime is predictable. It's time in the locker room while others are going to the concession stand watching a marching band or cheerleader performance. Maybe you were on a second half team. I never was. I didn't have an inspirational coach, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but maybe you were on a second half team, maybe more fired up when you left the locker room than when you entered. I think for a couple minutes as you watch this, this video, and say, so, so here's some comparisons. There is a halftime. There is a second half of marriage, believe it or not. Now, in marriage, it's not known. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how long your partner's going to live. But still, there are indicators along the way which draw our attention to the second half. For example, I've been married over 51 years. I'm definitely in the second half of marriage. So what are the other indicators? Kids gone? Empty nest, retirement, job changes, moves, you name it. Now, here's a, a big distinction between sports and marriage. We're in the game. We go to the locker room, not the concession stand. We don't see the halftime show. We listen to our coach. What we did in the first half stays with us. That means drop passes, blocked miss blocks, et cetera, et cetera. What we did in the first half counts. What we do in the second half counts too. There's good news in the second half of marriage for those who are followers of Christ. We are forgiven. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen on that? Our mistakes are washed clean, and we are set on a path of building a relationship with our wife that is pleasing to God. How much better is that than a coach who simply says at the end, forget about the first half, go out and play the second better. The second half can be better than the first. That's a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to, to think about. So what are the foundations of second half of marriage? Well, here's at least three, and there are others that you can think about. We want both the husband and wife to be believers in Christ. That's foundational. That's foundational. If when you got married, you weren't a believer in Christ, you, you, one you married wasn't a believer in Christ, work hard to get them to become a member of Christ, a believer in Christ. Both husband and wife are committed to following God's lead in their life together. You know, following God's lead is one of the best things that we did when we came up with a slogan for our new building. By the way, have you noticed they're digging dirt out there? That's, that's right. Um, their deepest desire is to finish well. That's my desire. Second Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I like that. I like that. So here's three foundations for what a good second half of marriage might look like. Boy, there's light.
So when you finish the race, what do you want your marriage to look like? I'm giving you things to think about now, not particularly answer, but to think about as we go into this. For example, in this book, appropriately titled The Second Half of Marriage, was written in 1992 by David and Claudia Arp. And here's the kind of particulars that they wanted their marriage to be characterized as in the second half. We want to be best friends and close companions. We want to have a positive outlook on life. Not, you know, they don't have to be breathtaking, profound statements, but they need to be of substance. They need to be of substance. So in front of you, you've got a survey. The survey's on the, on the right, and it's, it's a device. It's an opportunity for you to use with your wife. There should be extra copies uh, around here, so you can take two. So you can fill out one. Your wife can fill out the other. But there are opportunities to take a look at what you want to do and where you're at in your marriage. There are opportunities to, there's 20 characteristics of your marriage, and you rate them from 1 to 10, are you, are you stressed out by it or are you completely satisfied with it? And then there are four questions at the end. What are the best aspects of your marriage? What are the areas that cause the greatest stress in your marriage? What do you fear the most about your marriage in the future? What are you looking forward to your marriage in the future? These are fill-in-the-blank ones. You've got to write out answers here. You can't just check a box. I'm just letting you know that. <clears throat> but it's interesting. These guys, the ARPS, sent this survey out to lots of people, hundreds, thousands, and got back um, results. And the results are on the left here. It's kind of interesting and the results, when you take a look at them, you see that as you get older, as you spend more time with one another, you have a different view of life, and it's a better view, which is interesting to me. But that all points to companionship. And then you take a look at, so the things that bothered you when you were under 40. Now, very few people are in the second half of marriage when they're under 40. Uh, but... Some might, some might be. Um, but you take a look at the number one aspect of what I want in my marriage when you're over 60 is companionship, which is kind of interesting to me. It's not sex. It's not the kids are gone, hallelujah, thank goodness, we're out of, they're out of the house. You know, the parents aren't around anymore. We don't have to worry about them. They're gone. It's companionship. It's companionship. So let me remind you. You are in the second half of marriage if you have teenagers who will soon leave the nest. Your own parents are aging. I, I know of guys out here whose parents are aging, and it's not, it's not an easy time. You received an invitation to join ARP. God bless us. I mean, God bless ARP. 
you know, whatever. And you were invited to your 25th high school reunion. You exercise and still gain weight and hurt more in the process. You worked to get your wife's attention and forgot what you were going to say when you got it. <laughs> we don't want to say that one too often. But it's interesting, in the results of the survey, the survey says everything is improving, but in your marriage, remember this is a collection of results, is everything improving? Um, maybe it's not. Maybe you got to sit down and you got to use this survey as a start, starting point to make things different in your marriage. But it does seem like companionship is the best aspect of marriage. But why? And it's interesting to me, I'm hung up on companionship because that's what Barbara and I are experiencing, that what we want most is to be together. And I said, you know, the best part of my day is when I curl up in bed with her, not for sex, but just to curl up in bed with her because the day is over and I'm with her and I know that I'm safe and that she's safe and we're together. Um, well, let's go back to Adam and Eve and Genesis and why companionship might be the thing that we're looking for here in the second half of marriage. In Genesis 2, 18, it says, Then the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. Let me read that again. And then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Of all the things Adam had, he had a work ethic, he had a job to do, he had firsthand knowledge and, and relationship with the Lord. But the Lord looked down and said he was alone. I'm going to make him a helper. And then 21 through 24, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place, and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So there's a, God's reason is behind companionship and the need for companionship, and it's the fact that he saw that we were alone, he didn't want us to be alone. He loved us that much. So I would advise you to take a look at companionship and say, what are the things that go into companionship. Here's eight of them. Again, not profound, but eight aspects of companionship that you want to take a hard look at. They're in your notes. But I want to take a little bit of time with the, the last one, which is grow closer to God and each other and together to serve others. Remember I said the foundation is that you both know Christ and believe in him. So growing closer to God and to each other. And here's some things to go through. As you go through the survey, you talk about it, 
and you get on the road to companionship in the second half of marriage. You are on a spiritual journey. Don't forget that. It's easy to get caught up in life and caught up in your day-to-day activities and whatnot and forget the fact that you are on a spiritual journey. This journey must have your attention. It's got to be it's got to be more important than the Caps in the Stanley Cup Finals, even though they lost last night. It must be a first priority. You can only have one first priority in your life. It's got to be your wife and your relationship with God and how your relationship with your wife focuses and, and is an example of that. You want to read the Bible, you want to invest in church, and you want to pray. I cannot emphasize enough that you pray together. Out loud. Maybe, I don't know how you want to do it. You want to do it several times a day. You want to do it before you leave the house. You want to put your hands on her shoulders and just ask the Lord to be with her while you're gone and that she would have a good day. But you need to pray together. You need to pray for each other, and you need to pray often. Yeah, amen. Now, companionship, you can tell, is, is a goal that I have, and I'm continuing to work at it. I'm not there. You know, none of these aspects of, your, of a good second half of marriage is going to be something where you're going to put it, you're going to be able to, if you work at it hard enough in a, in a period of time, you're going to be able to put a check in that box and forget it and move on to something else. It's going to be a continuing thing. So here's the discussion questions. Are you in the second half of marriage? That's a good thing to think about. Approaching it, thinking about it, what are your thoughts? And share them. Take a look at the good, a good look at the survey that, that I put on your table. Consider the results of the survey. Everything's better, everything gets better the longer you stay together, but the one aspect of marriage that seems to be ever-increasing is companionship. Do you agree with what's on the survey? Discuss how you would change the survey to better address the second half of marriage. I mean, there, this, is, this book is one couple's view of second half of marriage. They don't have a 100% answer. They have their views and letting their views be known, and it's good. It's good stuff, but you can have other views. And then discuss the importance of companionship in your marriage. And I want to ask you directly, do you think we overplay the spiritual aspects of marriage? I don't. Yeah, Dallas is shaking his head no. If a Marine shakes his head no, it probably means something. I don't know exactly what it means, but... but uh, Discuss the importance of companionship in your marriage. Are the, are the spiritual aspects of companionship overplayed? And then how important is prayer in your marriage? And again, I cannot emphasize too much the importance of prayer in your marriage, and specifically prayer as it works to build companionship in your marriage. So I've given you a lot to think about. I... Uh, I had a tough time with this one because there's so much information that I can put out. Um, 
And it's so important. It's so important. And so let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to take a look at and prepare for and plan for and um, think about the second half of our marriages. Father, each man in this, in this room, for the most part, has a, a spouse and has a wife and is going to be moving in the second half of marriage whether we want to or not. It's coming. And Father, we want it to be good, be great if you're in it. Father, thank you that you've known us and you've forgiven us of what we did in the first half of our marriage. Father, thank you that we can look forward to a second half of marriage that's better than the first and is one that is pleasing to you. And that's our goal. Father, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.